0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 162. Today, we're back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and we are talking about The Go-Giver, a little story about a powerful business idea by Bob Berg and John David Mann. If you're listening to this as it comes out, and you're noticing that this is the second episode this week... That is on purpose. From now on, the book club episode will come out on the 15th of every month, no matter what day of the week that is, and it will be in addition to the regular Tuesday episodes. This means that we're going to get to hang out even more often, as there will be an extra episode of Making Good each and every month. Hooray! Now, if this is your first book club episode and you need some context, let me explain. Once per month, my amazing book club co-host, Sherelle Griffith, and I discuss a book we think can move the needle in your small business, and we'll share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. As I mentioned, this month we discussed The Go-Giver. This is a book that has been recommended to me a lot over the last couple of years, including by some guests on this podcast, and I'm excited that I finally got a chance to read it. Now, while this book is a business book with business lessons, it is told in the format of a story where you get to follow along with the main character as he learns these five lessons. In this book club episode, we talked about the power of giving, the importance of implementing what you learn, the five laws of what they call stratospheric success, why it's better to be a go-giver than a go-getter, and much, much more. This book is a short, sweet, and easy read that I would recommend to all small business owners, and I'm excited for you to check out this episode. Stay tuned through the end of the episode so you don't miss the book that we announced is our pick for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club. Just a reminder that if you want the updates on all things book club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com book club. Okay, let's get into this month's book club episode about the go-giver. Well, hello, Cheryl, and welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Hello, Lauren. Thanks for having me back. This is going to be a good conversation today, possibly a short one. Um, as those of you who are following along with us and read the book know, this book is super short, which I think it was... I mean, to me, there was still a lot to gain from it, but I was able to read it all within a couple of hours, and that mm-hmm. was like a welcome change from some of the <laughs> books we've done recently. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, so the book we just read, if you're just tuning in, is The Go-Giver, A Little Story About a Powerful Business Idea by Bob Berg and John David Mann. So we actually, like, on purpose, I didn't ask Sherelle's thoughts before we hit record because I just want to hear it, like, live for the first time. So, Sherelle, what is this book about? And, like, what's your impression of it? Uh, So
1: I suppose it's about... Uh, well, this is this is definitely like a story. I think, and I think what Lovin said about like it's short. It's not even just it's short. It's written like I suppose in a what you would expect from a like fiction story. If that makes sense. So in terms of when you're reading it, like you do read it really quickly. I think this is definitely a book that feels like a story, and then it's just like got a message weaved into it and it did remind me of another book but i can't remember what book is right now but if you're someone that likes <laughs> like reading i'm just thinking there's another business book i've read before that's like in that story it's not my style of book but i know that people like this one so if you're if you're normally like i hate nonfiction, fiction business books do my head in this you might like this one um and so really the story um revolves around this character called joe who um, is like coming to the end of his quarter and is like really stressed out? Clearly hasn't isn't reaching his target, and basically then meets this guy called the Chairman and learns about these four laws. And I think that, that's like the five. Short sn- oh, sorry, did I say four laws? Five laws. <laughs> I'm a disaster.
0: <laughs> no, the last one is a little bit um, hard for me to get my head around. So maybe maybe you're thinking the same. Yeah, yeah. And he's a salesperson. So like Cheryl said, he's not meeting his targets. And he's kind of like in panic, um, like scarcity mode, I think is what a lot of us would say Mm -hmm. in like current mindset lingo. And I think the book is really about the shift that he goes through with the help of the chairman, who's like his mentor, um, going from what they call a go-getter to a go giver. And that's really the, the powerful business idea in the subtitle is the idea that the secret to stratospheric success is the term that they use, but like really taking everything to the next level of power and influence and wealth and everything in business is the secret is giving. So I, yeah, I'm not surprised that it wasn't totally your cup of tea in terms of like <laughs> style of book. Um, but I think there's something to the format because like you said, I just flew through it. It it, like, it did not require any, like a lot of the books we've been reading a lot of nonfiction in general is like you read it and then you kind of have to like stop and like sit with it for a second and try to like figure out exactly what it meant. This was like a very easy read. Mm. And I think, yeah, I think it made the points really well. And I agree with a lot of the main points in the book. So, what we're going to do is talk about each, the book is divided into five parts, one for each law of success. We're going to just go into each one and maybe share a little bit about like how that point was made um, in the book. So let's start with the law of value. Do you want to start with that, Cheryl? Yeah, we'll go with
1: that. So the law of value is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. This is a very like, um, this one I think is like an easy one to understand this idea that are you giving more? So whether that is to like your clients, your customers, um, rather than reverse to how much you're actually charging them. I actually can't remember what the uh, example is. Can you remember the example there? Loving like the story.
0: Yeah. So in each of the chapters, or at least in each of the parts of the book for each of the lessons, the the chairman who's his mentor is introducing him into a new with to a new person who kind of like embodies this law and so for the first one he takes him to this Italian restaurant um he sits down and he meets the chef whose name I believe is Ernesto and Ernesto is like this yes he's the chef but he's also like he has this real estate empire owns all these restaurants and he started from having a hot dog stand in the city. And um basically the way that they illustrate this point of giving is like, he found a way to add so much value through the mm-hmm. simple sale of a hot dog. And not like he put $1,000 caviar on top of it, but like he remembered the names of all of his, all the kids who came to visit him and like ask questions and made it a fun experience for them. So, to me, like my big takeaway from this is something I already believe, but I think is a smart thing to emphasize, which is that there's so many ways to add value through your product other than like add stuff to it that's yeah. going to cost more, I guess. That's going to cost you or the customer more.
1: Yeah. And I think that thing of like also trying, sometimes you think adding value is adding more. Like, I think that becomes quite we think, oh, I've got to add value, like, particularly, like, from a service perspective, then we think, like, you know, I'm going to give them an extra this and there's that and I'll throw in some crazy bonus and all this foolishness. And actually, like, value is really being, like, how do we get give them the best experience? And, like, that doesn't always mean it's more. And so I think that's a really good thing to remember. Yeah. And
0: something that's emphasized in this first part or for this first law is um, the... Sort of motto that a lot of us have heard, which is all things being equal, people will do business and refer business to people they know like and trust, so just being like kind mm-hmm. is actually a way of adding value and um, positioning yourself better for a sale and for a strong business relationship. One thing I think maybe a good thing to stop and say here before we move on to the next law is that. One thing I really loved about the book is that the mentor says he's only going to continue with these mentoring
1: sessions
0: (laughs) if Joe, who is the main character, actually implements each law day by day. So after he meets Ernesto, the real estate and restaurateur who teaches him about the law of value and how you add more value than you take... His job, Joe, is to that day find a way to implement and put that law into practice. And so he does, in a way. The point that the book is making that I really resonate with is that none of this matters if you don't actually go do something about it. So I think like it's really smartly structured, the book, so that every single law you learn, right after he learns it, you see a way of implementing it, large and small. Um, so I'm actually trying to remember how did he... Oh, yeah. I remember how he implemented it. So he got a, call, a sales call from someone who said he wasn't going to get the account that he wanted. Yeah, because he wasn't the right fit for some reason. And so instead of just kind of like hanging up and being disappointed, he actually ended up referring his competitor. um, Who could actually fulfill the the brief, whatever it was. So he in that case he was giving more value than he was taking because he wasn't getting the account but he was still helping them essentially
1: and that i really agree with you lauren about that the structure this idea of also like because it's five laws it's easy like i'm already like i've forgotten them some of them so it's like actually by doing them straight away this is also going to help like with the actual like learning process this idea of like you learn something implement it learn something implement it learn something implement it Rather than going through this like whole phase of just like gabba, 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 loads of knowledge, and then see which ones you decide to add into like practice later on. hmm Totally.
0: So the second law is the law of compensation. And this law states: your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. The person that the chairman takes Joe to meet is named Nicole. And she's a former school teacher who was a teacher, um, got a little bit disillusioned with the way that things were taught in schools and came up with some of her own ways of basically more effectively teaching the same material so that her kids really learned it and had fun with it and enjoyed it. And so she did that for a while, but she realized like, hey, I can only impact 20 kids a year doing it this way how can i scale this essentially and so she through a long process ended up founding this company where they implement this new system of teaching like game i think it's game game based teaching to kids, like millions and millions of kids and so that has obviously catapulted her to far greater impact success wealth like all of the things and so that's kind of the way that they're illustrating this point of Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So she was able to make more income by expanding her reach significantly. This is an interesting one for me. I'm not sure I totally 100% agree with it. Oh, I'm glad. How how does this one sit with you?
1: (laughs) I find this one a really hard one because it's quite similar to this idea like more impact equals more income, which people talk about like impact more people, you'll make more income. Um, but then I feel like sometimes that can mean, like, especially for someone like me, that's a, like, predominantly one-on-one certified, like, actually, there is gonna, it's like, the type of work I do means there's gonna be a limit on the impact. Um, like in terms of just like volume of people, like the impact is just reality. And I feel like that can sort of like leave people to burn out because they're trying to do everything for everyone and say yes to everyone. So I do think there is a I I do believe and I can absolutely see in business how obviously if you can support more people, then you are gonna be able to make more money. But I do think I suppose it's that balance of like the level of impact, and you can argue actually that. Stroke, Like, you know, people that have made a massive impact by like this book, like people that write books and they're like, actually, they have managed to impact lots and lots of people's lives, but it's on quite like, it can be on quite a like surface level or a low level of depth. Whereas some of us might, but the way we impact people is much like higher touch and more in depth. And therefore, there will always be a limit on what, how many people we can help. Mm-hmm. I think the thing, I
0: agree exactly with what you're saying. I think he's talking about like making a really wide impact and you're talking about like when you do service-based work one-on-one, a lot of time the impact you're making may not be as wide, but it's very deep. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the part of this that I do agree with is I think the businesses that do touch a greater like swath of people, like like millions of people, for example, if your business is able to do that, your income is going to reflect that. Oh, and yeah. um, Maybe it's not all of our goal mm-hmm. to be serving millions of people with our businesses. I mean, I would argue probably a lot of us, that's not our goal. Yeah. But if it is, like if your goal is to have like a very, very high income, like millions and millions and millions, you probably do want to think about like how to scale to as many people as possible. Yeah, and I totally agree with that too. The way that he implements this law is kind of interesting basically he goes back to his office and um he makes coffee for everyone like he goes person to person in the office makes each person their own coffee and they were all like really shocked and surprised by this yeah it's an interesting example i actually think it probably does make an impact somehow like karmically if you like go do such like a nice just act of kindness for a lot of people at once, I can see how like somehow that's gonna come back to you. What's funny about this, and this is like this is could be a cultural thing. Um, in the U S this would be really, really unusual, but I know that having worked for a British company and like working out of their office a lot, it's really common in the UK. Tell me on? if you agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you'll be in the office and someone will be like, Oh, I'm going to go get tea. And then they go make tea for everyone, not just themselves.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. actually I clearly did not pick up on that. Like, I just thought it was more of a, it was a thing for him to do because he didn't normally do it rather than. It wasn't a thing that's done. Like, yeah, definitely in England if you work in an office. I specifically just basically never drank teal coffee at work because I couldn't to have to make, like, 10 teas every time I go up. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing at all.
0: The th- the only thing that might be a thing in my, like, corporate experience would be going out for coffee. You might, like, bring one person with you. and okay. Or maybe you'd bring something back for someone. Yeah. But, like, just going to the kitchen to get coffee, you wouldn't... Typically make like a set of ten coffees. Okay. So I i think that yeah, that was to me like a cultural thing. Um, of like, yeah, I was imagining you reading this and like not getting it. <laughs> um, because it's probably not remarkable at all. But here yeah. it is
1: pretty unusual. i just think so oh, anyway, this was that's... this was someone that just wanted to spend less time at their desk. And <laughs> thought, oh, I know what I could do. I could make everyone a tea. <laughs> yeah. I think one part
0: of this little example of him making everyone coffee that's interesting and worth pointing out is that someone asked him like, how did it feel to go around the office making tea for everyone or coffee for everyone? And he said, to tell you the truth, I felt like an idiot. And this guy says, sometimes you feel foolish, even look foolish, but you do the thing anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me Was like I highlighted, I didn't highlight very much in this book because I just kind of flew through it. But that was one of the things I highlighted because, yeah, just being willing to be uncool or like, you know, feel foolish, like this example says, can sometimes be powerful. Or shall we talk about law three?
1: Law three. Yes, let's do it. So the law of influence your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Uh, yeah, I found this one really interesting because I think this really does depend on you as a person already. And I actually think this is probably like one of the dangerous ones about like, if you've got a people pleasing tendency nature already, this could mm-hmm. be, I don't know, dangerous. Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> um, can you remember the story?
0: Yeah, so the story is this guy named Sam who works in the office with him basically this guy doesn't seem to like do a lot of actual work like all the people around him see that he's always on the phone having these like long in-depth conversations with clients like not necessarily about business um he's like really a networker I guess would be the term for him yeah so basically this is all about networking so your influence is is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. And it's really a lot about the first law, which is about adding value. Like when you're looking at relationships, finding ways to give, essentially, instead of always just take, take, take. And mm-hmm. one of the points that they make in this section was stop keeping score. So if it's like, you know, you referred a client to me, now I need to do something for you. Like that's not really how authentic quality networking happens. He says, when you do all this giving and investing in other people and helping other people, you end up with a personal, personal walking ambassadors. So people who come around, who walk around basically referring you just naturally, not because they owe you or not because you told them to, but because you've been so helpful and giving to them that they refer you back. I think, yeah, I agree with you. There's like, there's definitely a lot here in terms of how to approach networking in terms of just like, mm, not seeing it so transactionally, like really trying to build quality relationships and like doing good by people. But I think for the people pleasers among us, like it's hard. To, it's, it's a hard line to draw.
1: It's a really hard line to draw because I was thinking, well, I can imagine the person that this is aimed at. And obviously because Joe is like in a sales role, you really can imagine there's like probably like quite harsh, fish networker that probably does have a bit more of a, like transactional relationship with with clients as well as also just network in terms of being like, this is about sales. Diddle-lew. Whereas I just was like, actually, when I think of most of the businesses, I know I'm like, I feel like a lot of them give a lot already. And this idea of like, putting other people's interests first and like i just can see it becoming very dangerous and then like their whole business is them just giving to other people and they're not like that's how people end up with non-profitable businesses is because they end up running around after everyone and like over delivering particularly like when i think like service people that over deliver
0: yeah yeah i guess maybe the context to think about this law in is networking yes. not as much as like your clients or you know, I, yeah, I think there's definitely lines to draw here. The book was written by two men also. So like, this could be a little bit of a gender thing sometimes. I think, I mean, I'm stereotyping, but like women oftentimes have more of a people pleasing disposition than men. And so I think maybe this advice is less needed for women. There is something to it, especially when it comes to networking, like just being willing to offer value without always having an expectation of what's coming right back to you. Yeah. Um, He calls this enlightened self-interest. So it's like knowing that ultimately this will benefit you, even if it doesn't like right away, you're not keeping score right away. It's kind of like a karmic, it's all gonna work out (laughs) kind of approach, which I think there is something to it, but I agree. This is one law that I think needs to be qualified a little
1: bit. Mm-hmm. and then I actually do remember this like implementation that time which was where, this is between Joe and his wife and usually mm-hmm. like they have quite a strict which I thought was quite an amazing way um household setup of like time mm-hmm. when they'd get home and they'd talk to each other and like she was basically having a bit of like a moan fest and then like realised like her sort of time was up and stopped and he said oh no I'd like to hear more about what happened really and then like she continued and actually like ended up like crying and the next day like she wrote him a really sweet note and it was clearly showed that like him making that extra time without wanting anything back like really did make a difference to her
0: Mm -hmm. yeah okay so the fourth law is the law of authenticity and this law states this is my favorite of course it's your favorite (laughs) of course it is the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, and the way that this law was illustrated is they went to a, pre- like a conference presentation. And they were sitting in the audience and the speaker was a woman who had kind of like a mid-life re-entrance to the career world. She had been a, she had been a mom and her husband left her and she was then a single mom. She had been a full-time mom at home. Um, and so she had to figure out how to make a living. She learned real estate was taught like all of these very classical approaches to closing and like all of the kind of like traditional sales tactics that were taught in real estate, and she saw like no success with it. like she was not making a single sale. She felt like i have not I'm bringing nothing of value to this because my only background is like as a mom and as a parent and like, I don't have any experience and no one's buying anything. And she was basically about to give up. And she went on one last like prospect house showing with someone where she had already thrown in the towel. And she was like, whatever, I'm not trying any of these sales tactics anymore. I'm just going to be myself and like talk to this person as a human. And of course she sold the house. She learned that like, she actually did have a lot to offer just by who she inherently is as a parent, as someone who cares about people, as a community resident. So that point was very strongly illustrated that like the magic that we all have is in who we are. And that's not something that you have to learn or improve or can be taken away from you. It's just
1: being yourself. Um, I really liked, even though I hate the word authenticity, I did really like this law and just this idea of like, yeah, most, uh, the most issues the book says about like the most valuable thing you have to give people is yourself. And I think it can be, I think also this example of the fact like she'd had all this training, she'd done all this, um, like she'd been taught these frameworks and like you're trying like, to like fit yourself into a box. And actually, it was like when she just broke out of that box, ignored it. And I think that is a good reminder to people because I think, you know, there can be times like, I think particularly as business owners that you feel as if you have to like follow the rules of your industry and that's the only way to be like successful. And actually it's like, you know, that changing yourself to do something, particularly if it doesn't feel right, actually probably is doing you more damage than good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a line in the end of the woman's presentation where she says, what I'm here to sell you on is you. Mm-hmm. The most valuable gift you have to offer is you, and I highlighted that because I think this is great, and <laughs> it's something that applies to everything, and especially marketing. I mean, more than really anything else, I would say in business. So of course, I love it. But <laughs> I think when we're talking about like finding ways to show up online, in particular, yes, it's so easy for us to just try to see what other people are doing or lean into trends. I mean, and even I find myself doing this as someone who like teaches marketing and believes really strongly in like our own power of like our own, who we are individually. Um, It's really easy to get swept up in trends and like seeing what is working for other people. But ultimately like trying to find ways to lean into who you are, how you like creating content, your own energy is going to be what works best for all of us so
1: and I really do think as like small I actually think for marketing small business owners it's it's more important because I always say like marketing is like if you're in a bigger business that the person that's doing it is like trained and that's what they're meant to do and you know they can fit themselves in that box but actually like as a business owner like you're not so the the way to make marketing your easy is just to do it the way that you are meant to do it, like, naturally, rather than, like, forcing yourself to try and do something else. So, yeah, I definitely think if uh, anyone has been struggling with, like, marching themselves, being consistent, showing up online, like, really do have a look and be like, actually, am I leaning into, like, my actual natural self? Or am I trying to make myself do something that doesn't actually feel right and that's why I'm struggling? hmm
0: And the way that they show this law being implemented in the book is... Um it's just a simple conversation he has with a coworker where he kind of just authentically shares some views he has without like trying to be all professional and it wasn't a, in my opinion that great of an example but it was just about like kind of being who you are and not trying to be someone
1: else so, To be fair I think a lot of the examples are questionable <laughs> like, but I suppose that's what happens when you're trying to implement it straight away it's not done perfect it's not like the perfect example, because actually it was to do with the situation and what happened in that basically that afternoon slash evening. Obviously if you have a bigger, wider time span, you can probably get a better example, but that's not the point because we're trying to do that, the fast implementation. Such a
0: great point, actually. Yeah. Like if every example had been like this picture, perfect, like bigger stakes example, it would be harder to imagine applying Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I think you're right. Like if we were to all just try to find a small way to implement each of these things, it would be much more powerful than like waiting for the perfect opportunity. So great point. Shall we talk about the fifth law of stratospheric success?
1: (laughs) Number five, the law of reciprocity. Did I even say that right? (laughs) The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. and this was really about the idea of, like, actually, I'm sort of glad it came back to this, like, because a lot of it's like give value and, you know, care about other people and do all this stuff. And it's all like about everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. But it's like, actually, you do also have to yourself be open to receiving. Like, this actually isn't just a one way thing where you're just giving and like, and we're not giving to receive, but you should still need to be open to receiving.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And the example in the book is actually like, there is no fifth guest. He's the fifth guest because it's about receiving, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to say like, I didn't totally get this chapter and that could be maybe this is an area of weakness for me, but um, I guess maybe you can help me understand it better. My, my thinking right now is that it's about like, allowing space for things to come your way and kind of like not trying to overly control everything he gives an example of like accepting a compliment from someone if someone says wow you're such a great marketer for me just like my instinct to that kind of thing might be like oh well yeah like I've had a lot of practice or whatever instead like a better way of receiving that would be like thank you like I received that (laughs) I hear you
1: thanks well, the quote that a bit to me that I, try, I suppose made me try and think I could understand it was this bit about all the giving in the world won't bring success, won't create the results you want, unless you also make yourself willing to, and able to receive in like measure. Because if you don't let yourself receive, you're refusing the gifts of others and you shut down the flow. And So I think for me, it definitely was this idea about like, mm. um, realistically, if we're saying like everyone needs to give. Then someone's got to receive at some point also. Yeah. So it's this idea of yeah, actually being like, yeah, just being open to actually receiving stuff. Like you said, if someone gives you a compliment, you take it. Actually, if someone does end up giving you a lead or a failure, like you like you are thankful and you're grateful for it. And it's not that you have become so obsessed thinking like all you have to do is give, give, give then you sort of like stop yourself from receiving. And I, I, I said, I think it very much is to do with if you think of where it sits amongst the, the laws. So because I think the whole thing is they've said earlier on about not giving to receive, so you know this idea of like don't keep score. And so to me it's like they try to like shut down this tap of like you're not doing something to get something back in return. And so now they're having just to remind you, but you are meant to be able to receive. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay that is actually very helpful when you think about like the flow of if you're not willing to receive that's preventing someone else from giving, and then it's like the cycle stops so yeah, yeah, so at the end of the book, um he basically some of these small actions that he's taken throughout the last week come back to him in a big way, and he's able to like connect a couple of people. They partner together, start this new business. He like, yeah, he leaps into stratospheric <laughs> success. Um, of course. So yeah, happily ever after. Um, I would say like overall, my take on this book, I liked it. I thought that the story format was really helpful for me. And I think probably a lot of people who are really story people, mm-hmm. especially story people, are gonna find it. A really powerful way to absorb the information versus just like you know some of the dryer, <laughs> like, drier, like sorry, <laughs> some of the drier like straight to the facts, just stick to the point kind of messaging. Um, this was definitely a different, a very unusual way to, to tell a business to to write a business book, and so I, I think yeah. it's great. I think it's interesting. Um, I agreed with a lot of it. I wouldn't say like 100% of it, but I still definitely would recommend this book, especially to new people who are new to business. I think just like, it's a good like philosophic foundation to start mm-hmm. from.
1: Yeah. I think it's a really refreshing different book. Like, cause I think I did read this between like Christmas and new year. And so actually it was like the perfect thing for me to read. Like it's a perfect business book to read when you're on holiday or whatever. you know, like, I don't really want to read a, Story, but this is like still about business. So, in that sense, it's like a good one to mix in. If you're also like reading other more dry, as Lauren would say, uh, business (laughs) books, like to mix this into it. Um, yeah, again, I'd probably agree, like someone earlier on, or also maybe someone who like is just, if you've been in quite a, um, I don't know if harsh is the right word, corporate world, and then you're moving over. I think maybe also that would be it's a good thing it's like actually because for me I definitely felt a little bit like I agreed with all the what they said but I was like actually I don't feel like most of business owners like that I know and that I work with this is stuff that they don't do but I could see in my head the world of people that don't follow these rules and I feel like so possibly I think actually yeah like if you've come from you're new in your business and you've had a corporate background and it had been maybe like a like you know like I said like you know, he's in sales. If you've been in certain environments where actually this is not what you've been taught, then maybe it's a good way just to like have a fresh approach as you start your business. Mm -hmm.
0: What would be your main next step or next steps that you would offer someone as a result of this book?
1: I think I'm going to think about like how to add more value. I definitely think that's always something that, like we can constantly be looking at like how to add a better, um, how to add more value. And um, I think particularly, like I said, for my type of business where I'm like the volume, like I'm not going to have that wide, uh, impact Then actually like making sure the value of like every single customer and client I have is really important. So that's definitely something I'm going to look at.
0: Yeah. I think mine would be, I loved the sort of structure of the book around, implementing every single law. So as an approach to when you learn something, encouraging you to like find a way right away soon to do something about it. Otherwise, what you learned is probably not going to stick. And so I thought that was a really important element of the book. Yeah. And I think I'm with you. Like I I would think my other takeaway is just around kind of taking that leap of faith to be willing to just be the generous giving person and kind of having the faith that it's going to come back to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it does. Like when I think about some of the people I know who are what I consider like the most successful business wise people, a lot of the things that he was saying in the book about like generosity and like, not being afraid to like share the secrets of success and like having more of an abundance mindset instead of like super competitive mindset. A lot of it did ring true to me. Um, So I think to me, my takeaway personally is just to kind of keep my eyes on my own lane and try to focus on like doing all the good, adding all the value I can and knowing that that
1: will come back. Keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. Yeah. 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 And I think, but as we said, like, but keep in mind, I think that, like, don't give to the point of burnout. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Very, very important to temper it for sure. Cool.
1: Well, let's talk about next book, shall we? What are we reading next? We are reading 168 Hours by Laura van And I am so excited for this book. I've read one of her books before, which is I Know How She Does It. Um, I've not read this one, though. So when uh, Lauren said, let's do this one next, I'm like, yes. So this is going to be really helpful. Time management, time efficiency, productivity. These are words that, like, as business owners, we're always trying to find a hack and a tip and whatever. So hopefully we're going to get some in this book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the subtitle is You Have More Time Than You Think. And... That's kind of a controversial statement. <laughs> so I'm really excited to dig into this. I think I've maybe not shared here. I've talked a lot in my membership about how the fact that I took a recent time management course that actually did change a lot of things for me. Hmm. I've always thought that time management was kind of like, I don't know, either you're a good time management, a, a good time manager, or you're not. And I kind of felt like maybe I was just not a great time manager. But the, I think there are really concrete strategies that you can use and that actually aren't that hard to make a habit that make a big difference. And I think this book is going to have a lot of that in there. So I'm very excited as well. Wow! Um, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, this has been a slightly shorter one, which I think makes perfect sense, given the book... Is an easy read in two hours. So um, thank you for having this conversation with me. It's always a blast and I cannot wait
1: for next time.
0: All right. So there you have our Go-Giver Book Club episode. I am so, so curious what you thought of this one as it's a bit unusual in format as we discussed. Did you enjoy it? What were your key takeaways? DM us on Instagram or post on Instagram and tag us to let us know. We would both love to chat. I'm Lauren Tilden, that's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N, and Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith, C-H-A-R-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. You can find the details from the podcast episode on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 162. Now, as you heard, we have announced our book for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and that is 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think by Laura Vanderkam. If you're interested in productivity, time management, and how to get more done in less time, this book is for you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to making good. First, I would be honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. This episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 162. And finally, I'd love for you to take a screenshot in your podcast player while you're listening and tag both me and Sherelle. I'm at Lauren Tilden and Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.